to another episode of my podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We're back. We're doing it. Another episode, another week, another day, another minute. Um, yeah, if you're watching this, you might notice I'm in a different, I'm in a different setup, different space. If you're listening, um, then this doesn't affect you whatsoever. I'm trying out something new. Mama likes to take risks. And here we are. We're trying out a new, a new background, a new place. And let me know what you think about it. Um, but let's just get into it, shall we? This week, what a week, man. What a week. St. Patrick's Day. I'm half Irish. Um, I wore, I wore green. I did the things you're supposed to do. Um, I didn't do any drinking. As you know, I'm a sober gal. Um, but did I already tell the story? Oh, was that on Patreon? Was that a Patreon exclusive? Do we remember the oh, story about accidentally drinking? It was a Patreon exclusive. Okay, yeah. So if you want to know the dark, the dark story of me getting absolutely blacked out, wasted while being a sober person, go check out the Patreon. I didn't actually um, get blacked out or really that wasted, but something silly did happen. Um but yeah, I, I went to, I flew out to Sacramento that day and I wore green. I like dressing up. I don't like people who are anti-celebrations, you know? If there's a holiday and the holiday, even though it's not based in anything real or important, if that's just wearing a, a touch of green, a splash of green, fucking do it. What else are we doing? We got nothing. We go to work. We drink our little water. We take our little pills. We do our showers every once in a while, and we go to bed, and we eat. If there's one thing you can do differently to have a little fun, do it. You're not too old or too whatever. Have a little fun. Wear a little green. I put on some green. I forgot that it was St. Patrick's Day. As soon as I, as soon as I heard, as soon as I remembered, I said, "Go to that closet, girl, and pick out your one green outfit." So I did. I put on my green. I went to the airport, and it was so fun. Everyone looked like little leprechauns. Everyone was all dressed in green. I loved it. It was festive. Is it a? Is the word leprechaun offensive? Are we? Are we at the point where we can, I mean, I don't, is there, if there's anything based in offense in that word, I'm sorry. I'm going to do my apology video now. If you guys are rewatching in 20 years and you go, she said the L word, I'm sorry. Okay. I didn't know it at the time. Things have changed. I'm learning and I'm listening, but it's 2022. I'm not aware of the word leprechaun being anything other than just a jolly term for the holiday. Um, but yeah, everyone was dressed up. We looked cute. Um, okay, let's start from the beginning of the week. I feel I didn't film. I, I did a showcase for Netflix for their Netflix is a joke festival. I may or may not get it. And that's okay. Namaste. I'm feeling pretty zen about it. What's meant to be will be, baby. But it was like a five-minute showcase. There were so many people on the lineup. And the crazy thing about doing these, like, showcases, I'm calling them a showcase, but essentially it's like a comedy audition. A bunch of comics, there was, like, maybe 16 of us on this lineup. 16 comics, each doing five minutes. And five minutes... I don't know how that seems to the listener, if that seems like a long time or that seems like a really short time, but the longer 
I've been doing comedy the longer or the shorter five minutes is. Because like when I first started doing comedy, I was at open mics. You get maybe three to five minutes at most to do your set. And when you're first starting out, you have like no jokes. You have the jokes that you're starting with. And three to five minutes seems like an eternity to come up with material. And so I remember doing my first, I did, in my first year of doing stand-up, I had a Just for Laughs showcase. And Just for Laughs is this big comedy festival in Canada. And my first year doing stand-up, I'm pretty sure I showcased for it. And I was like, five minutes, that's all of my material. That's everything I've ever written, essentially. And so that felt like a long time. I was like, okay, I'm showcasing truly all of my stuff, all of my best stuff a year in, which wasn't great stuff, but whatever. So I did that. And now, you know, six years later, however long I've been doing it, five minutes seems like nothing. It feels like, how am I supposed to showcase myself? How am I supposed to showcase my comedy in five minutes? Because now I'm getting used to doing more 45-minute sets when I'm headlining. So to only do five is so, it's such a weird difficult thing to try and come up with just five minutes of material that you feel like represents you the most. So I already did my JFL showcase, um, and that was kind of the same process. And now I'm doing the Just for La- or the New Faces showcase for Netflix because they're doing this insanely large uh, festival. They're like Ellen DeGeneres is doing a talk. Uh, Larry David is doing a talk. Seth Rogen is doing a thing. Uh, John Mullen, like they're selling out like the forum is sold out for this festival. They're doing shows at like all these small venues throughout L.A. And so this would be like their version of new faces. It would be like a showcase show where they pick like, you know, maybe the newest up and coming, you know, not famous, but like whatever. So that's what they're doing. The difference between these two showcases is that for Just for Laughs in Canada, that festival, um, what's the difference? Oh, the, the auditioning showcase process you do your first one, you do your first five minutes, and then, and here's the crazy part. They're showcasing people like all across the world. Like LA and New York is where they're holding most of the auditions, but they're doing these like 16 comic showcases, multiple shows in both states. So there's probably, I'm not good at math or estimates, but they're probably initially showcasing maybe like 300 comedians. That's insane. That's insane. So they're watching all these showcases. And then for JFL, they're doing a callback. So maybe that gets windled down to like 150 comedians. And then from that, they just pick maybe 12 in total who get to do the festival. And I've showcased for it since I started doing comedy. So I've done it a bunch of times at this point um, and haven't gotten like picked or whatever. Um But it's just so interesting to see it throughout the years and like the people who I'm showcasing with. And like now I feel like at this point, I'm probably like, you know, the top of the showcase, in my opinion. Because when I first started, I was my, it was my first year in comedy. I'm showcasing with these people who are now on like Saturday Night Live or who have specials and like all of that. So it was like nerve wracking the first few times because I'm like, look at these people. Like it really made me want to do my best at these showcases. Not that it doesn't anymore, but I'm just more confident and whatever. Um, 
And so now I feel like I'm more at the top of the totem pole um, at these showcases. Obviously, there's still people above me. I don't think I'm like, in, I'm not Kanye documentary style insane or genius, whatever you choose to call him. But um, yeah, so it's interesting to kind of see it throughout the years and see my progression and my kind of evolution. Um, but the Netflix one, that one's crazy because they don't do any callbacks. You just do one showcase and then you either get it or you don't. And I'm also like unclear if I get if I am chosen to do it, if I'm doing more than five minutes at the actual, whatever, we'll see. So stay tuned. Um, but that's, it's always fun to do, get to, you know, show off your, show off your new material, your new five and, um, whatever. So that's cool. And I think mostly with these things, like comedy is one of those, careers or professions where there's no, like, if you work in sales or something, they do like a yearly, um, like a yearly thing where they give out awards who made the most sales or you get a promotion or you get this or that. There's like some sort of way to know if you're doing well or, you know, where you're kind of ranking at. Whereas with comedy, it's kind of like you kind of decide for yourself how you're doing or based on like, you know, if you have a special, but even that it's like nowadays, anyone can record a special and put it out on YouTube. So it's really like, it's really unique in that sense of like, you kind of get to determine your own success. Obviously there's like commercial success where it's like, oh, you're in a show or you have all these specials on a network, like on Netflix or some sort of platform. Um, and so to the outsider, to the consumer, you could be like, oh, that person's successful because they have this, this, and that. But some people like just being like road dogs. That's success to some comics is just being on the road, getting, you know, getting paid enough to have a nice living and just touring all the time without any specials or without any like TV credits or anything like that. So this is one of those things like these, um, these showcases you do are kind of something that, you feel like it's kind of like a check mark. You're like, okay, I got the promotion in that sense. Like I did the new faces in Canada. Like I get to say that I did that. Meanwhile, you know, I tell my dad or my mom like, oh, I got new. They have no idea what that means. You tell the average person, they're like, okay, cool. You got to go to Canada to be a new face, I guess. But as a comic, it feels good. You get to say you did it. Um, and so... Yeah, it's like getting passed at a comedy club or something. If it's not, at least for me, it's not the end goal. But it's nice to say like, oh, I've 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 grown enough to where I'm passed at this place, or I got to do that festival or whatever. Um, so that was the big comedy uh, hubbub of this past week. We'll see. I don't. That's always the weird thing too. You you kind of don't know when you're gonna find out about these things, and you and this is the crazy part. I've I feel like I've been saying every part's the crazy part, but this part is also another crazy part. Um, typically, if you don't get it, you like don't necessarily find out until they post who got it, and then. You know, I, I tell my sisters, I tell my family I'm showcasing, and then they see a post about who got it, and they send it to me as if I haven't seen it and cried about it already. Um, I don't get... When I first was doing the showcases, I was like this... I was like a 
when I first started doing comedy, I was so delusionally confident that when I would see those, I'd be like, are you serious? I didn't get it. And I would have like a little pity party and cry a little bit, but I'm a year in. Yeah, of course I'm not going to get it. That's insane to think that being one, like, what would I do? Even if, if I got these festivals or these things one year in, I would not be prepared for what comes next. I'm still working it out, you know? So the more that I showcase, the more prepared I feel for the opportunity. So now when I see it, I'm like, okay, cool. They all deserve it. Sometimes they don't. There's a few people who I'm like, mm, interesting choice. But for the most part, I'm like, this is all good. My time is not now, obviously. Whatever. It's not meant to be. I'm very uh, zen about these things sometimes. I can be pretty chill about some things and then insane about other things. But yeah, like I won't find out until they post about it unless I get it and then I find out and then I have to keep it a secret until they post about it. But um, I feel good about it. I liked both of my showcases. Um, so if I get it or not, I liked what I put out there. And that's that. Namaste. Then I did... Uh, this week I went to... Um, I filmed, I, I did a sketch with this dude named MTV Jesse, which do you know who this is, Lee? I do not know. Okay. So I didn't know prior to this experience, but he's part of the, he, I don't know. I don't know that much about him, but he started out with the Nelk crew. Okay. Are you familiar with the Nelk crew? I am. Yeah. So the Nelk crew's interesting. They were like prank YouTube guys, I think. And then Jesse kind of has separated a little bit, I think, and is doing his own thing now. Um, but he has this like kind of prank channel YouTube show and he does a bunch of like different sketches and not sketches. I guess they're just pranks. I feel like I'm really not selling this, which is fine. I'm not the spokesperson for it, but I got to film, um, this like prank with him, which this is also an interesting little full circle audition showcase type of situation. I audition. I didn't really audition, but I met with the guy who, um, who is like the casting person for punked. And they were trying when the platform Quibi was trying to make a, it clearly has failed, but Quibi was this platform where people could just watch short form shows on their phone. Um, and so I, they were going to do like a punked reboot for this platform called Quibi. And so I met the dude and I was like, I would love to do this. Like that sounds so fun. And obviously that didn't work out. I never got it. Quibi never happened, whatever. But now I got to do kind of like a prank show and test it out and see how I did. And I don't know. You'll have to watch and see when it comes out. But it was fun. We got to prank some people in a sandwich shop. Um, so you shot it? We shot it. Yeah, we filmed it. And I really want to get... So, so you know, these people come into the sandwich shop... Uh, and they have no idea that they're about to get... There was one woman who was like, am I on a prank show right now? So she kind of blew the load. But I really want to set my dad up to be on... Next time they film a prank, I really... There was this dude who walked in. His name's Craig. And he's like, he's, you know, a bigger man. And the prank around... I don't know if I'm supposed to be talking about it, but 
whatever. Just keep it between us, guys, okay? Keep it between us. This is our little thing. Um, don't ruin this for me. <laughs> so this dude, Craig's walk, and I'm not going to give too much of it away, but this dude, Craig's, Craig, walks into the sandwich shop. He's kind of a bigger dude, and we have put up photos of him from his Facebook on the walls, and we told him, you know, dude, we have to cut you off. You're not allowed in here. Like, you know, you you order too many sandwiches and, you know, you have all these demands. Like, we cut you off. Like, you can't come back here. And he slowly starts to be like, oh, no, that's my twin brother, Greg. He just off the dome. He's like, no, that's my twin brother, Greg. And we're like, okay, man, like, we can give you the sandwiches, but you can't bring this back to your brother, your twin brother, Greg. And we're just going along with this bit. And slowly we're like, actually, like, you know, you can't have the sandwich. He starts, he's, he's like about to make a run for the door. He's about to walk, like run out with the sandwich. And, uh, and that dude made me think like Larry, Larry has to be on the, I have to bamboozle him into getting pranked. Cause I would love to see his reaction. He would have a very Craig reaction to it. He just try and, you know, swindle his way into getting what he needed. I don't know, but I got to get Larry. I got to get Larry on this, but it was super fun. I had a good time. And I think I was funny. It was so nerve wracking though, because I'm not used to that. I'm used to like, you know, preparing a set, telling jokes, like, you know, that's what I'm comfortable doing. And this is something that I've always wanted to try and do, but like, I don't know. I, I like I was worried that I'd feel bad pranking someone. And I think in one of the first pranks we did, because we did a bunch of scenarios, one of the one of the pranks we did, I was like, I started to feel bad. And I was like, yeah, but that's not funny. Feeling bad for the person isn't the funny part of the prank. So it was, uh, it was definitely kind of a challenge, but I got to do one on my own. And that was really fun. I was trying to overshare with some customers who came in. Like I was having a really tough day and instead of making their sandwich, I just wanted their advice and I was oversharing all my problems. It's funny. Check it out when it comes out. It's called Shithole. Is it coming out? It's coming out. Yeah. Season three is going to be dropping soon. I don't know when. I don't know the details, but... So they filmed it for Quibi. Does it... No, no, no. So so punked. The punked reboot was for Quibi, and this is just for YouTube. This is completely separate. I did like oh, this is the this is the prank with your friend. Who yeah, did, okay, yeah. So this is completely separate. I did I I tried to do the punked reboot. That was maybe like three years ago or something. So this was like just a totally separate random thing. But it was like oh, I finally get to see how I would do being like a character on so a prank show. What's your friend's show. name again? That this so this is this dude named Jesse. His Instagram is M. TV Jesse and the YouTube channel or the YouTube show is called Shithole. Um, but I think it's coming out soon. And I think I think they'll probably film more and I'll maybe do more. Um, so we'll see. But it was just like a fun thing to do outside of stand up. And this comedian named Charles Gould, he also is doing some pranks and he's super funny. Um so it was just like a fun, different, new experience that I got to try. And I also got to make some sandwiches and eat some sandwiches. So that's kind of a win, a win-win situation. Um, and then after that, I went to Sacramento and that was so much fun. I hadn't been there since 2019 
with Santino. I was featuring for Andrew Santino. And I didn't, for some reason, that felt like so much longer, like so, so long ago. But then I was looking at old photos from that trip and it was only 2019, which isn't that long, but I feel like time has gone. I feel like the COVID times made it feel like centuries. I know it's played out, you know, saying that, but looking, I'm like, that was only 2019. But yeah, I was back. I was headlining the shows. A lot of people came to the shows who had seen me with Santino. So that was really nice. A lot of people came out because they heard me from Rogan's podcast. So shout out to Joe um, for bringing people out to shows. It was interesting because like the first show of the weekend, it's always nerve wracking going to a new place. And, you know, I'm not like a well-known comic. um, So it still is like and this is like my first few times. This is my first like headlining chunk, you know, of time. And so I never know how many people are going to come out to shows and comedy clubs there. They range from like, you know, 250 to like even more big than that. So I'm like, I don't know how many people are going to come out and then that's going to feel, it's going to hurt my ego to see only, you know, a certain amount of people in this large room. But the first show of the weekend, Thursday, there were 35 people there, which is, you know, a fair, small number of people, but it was the best 35. If you were there on Thursday, You guys rocked. I had so much fun. It was a great audience. And like, I don't really care about the numbers. I know I'm still building my little fan base and my audience and all of that. But the 35 that were there, I was like, this rocks. Like I would take this 35 audience over like a shitty sold out, like, you know, three to 500 room. That's just kind of whatever. Like it was great. Um, and I really liked my set all weekend. I was so fired up about my set that I was like, I want to tour this set. I want all of my weekends to be this set that I'm doing. And then at the end of this tour, I want to film it and I want to try and maybe release it on my own or maybe pitch it to like Netflix or whatever, because I love it. Sue me. I love this set. I'm going to be in Philadelphia this weekend. I'm going to be in Philly at the punchline please come see me. Everyone who came out was so freaking cool. We had two of my Patreon top tier homies coming out. We had Alejandro and Matt, and that was cool to see them in person because I see them on the Zooms every month. And then it feels like I, it feels like friends. I'm like, oh dude, how have you been? So that was really cool. And everyone was just so nice and lovely. And I had Casey Lai featuring, who I love, and Jeff Dean, um, who was great. I had just met him that weekend, and he was so nice and a great host. And it was just good vibes. I forgot that I liked Sacramento. You know, because you hear Sacramento, and to me, it kind of equates to, like, Bakersfield or— no offense to Bakersfield, but you know what I mean. If you live in— but you're like, yeah, we get it. No offense taken. But Sacramento just has that vibe where I'm like, is is it fun? Do people, what what is Sacramento? But I forgot because here's the interesting thing about most comedy clubs. When you're a ticket buyer to these shows, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to the comedy club. It's going to be a cool vibe. But a lot of them are in strip malls. So you're above like a big mattress firm or an Oshkosh Bagosh. There's nothing like 
There's nothing sexy and romantic about that, you know? But that's because comedy clubs uh, notoriously are cheap and strip malls are cheaper rent than an individual location. So if you feel bamboozled that you pull up to this parking lot and you're next to, you know, a drive through Starbucks and maybe, you know, a mod pizza, it's normal. It's okay. You're safe. We're going to have a good time. You're going to have, don't let that, don't let that kill your vibe. But yeah, it's not like as sexy as you might think it's going to be. But yeah, this, this club was in a strip mall with all those places that I had just listed. Um, and I forgot because it's in this area. I remember last time I was there with Santino, the hotel that we had stayed at was like pretty dingy. It had the vibe of like, people are living at this hotel, um, and just the area that this specific punchline is in isn't like the most hot, fun, cool area. And so I was like, oh, Sacramento sucks. Like, I'm not excited. Like, I was excited to go, but I was like, oh, there's nothing for me to do out there. And then I forgot that Midtown exists. And that's where it's happening. They have cute little coffee shops, good restaurants, good nightlife. Um, it's just like, you know, it's a, it's not where the club is. So I went out of my way. I got good coffee at the mill. I got good pho from this spot. I don't know what it was called. Um, Walked around a little bit, went to like a little trinket store um, and had a good time. I forgot. I love Sacramento. And my boyfriend's friend, my boyfriend's friend's friend lives in Sacramento and he is like, he's a bowler, like a legit, like he has his own bowling balls type of bowler. He has his own shoes kind of bowler. He has a rag to wipe off the bowling ball type of roller bowler. Um, and he rocks. I went bowling with him and I was trying to learn everything. Um, did you know that they put oil? There's oil on the bowling on the lane. I had no idea. And it stops after I think 40 feet. And that's why when bowlers do the spin, it's because the oil stops. So they're spinning and and it looks like it's going towards the gutter. But after that 40 feet, it curves. There's really, it's really a lot of, there's a lot of thought that goes into this bowling. And I, I, I do this thing because I've seen it, you know, it's, it's done, it's been done for me. The headliner, you know, if you're on the show or something, the headliner typically like, well, if you go out to eat, the headliner will pay for the food. You know, it's the nice thing to do. The headliner's getting paid more money than, you know, the feature or the host or whatever. And so when we went bowling, I was like, I got this. You know, you're taking me out to bowling. You picked me up. Um, the guy who's the bowler and Casey went with me. And, um, you know, the bowler picked me up. He showed me the bowling. Out. You know, this wouldn't have happened without this guy. So I'm like, the least I can do is pick up the bowling bill at the end. Mama did not know how expensive bowling is. And they both offered. They were like, oh, no, we can all split it. And I was like, no, 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 I got it. I'm thinking it's going to be cheap because I thought this guy, you know, he's a real bowler. I thought there was some like bowling discount that he got. It was like $75 for three rounds of bowling. Wow. And yeah, I picked up the bill and uh, I need to stop doing that. I guess it's nice, but if someone's like, oh, we can split it, I should just go with the flow on that one. But I hope they tell people, you know, oh, Allie, yeah, she took us bowling. 
Or else I just did it in a nice way. God, that's terrible. That's awful. But it was fun. It was worth it. It was worth it. I had a great time. I don't regret it. I just didn't expect it to be that much money. There's something... uh, I like bowling alleys. None of them are updated. They all feel like a time capsule from the 90s. Even the updated ones keep that 90s feel to it, you know? Um, Yeah, and it just, it feels dirty. You know, you're sticking your fingers in these little holes and everyone's just kind of gross. It's never like a hot crowd at a bowling alley. Unless you're like at some, you know, cool LA bowling spot. Like, it's it's children and bad parents. I saw a child at the lane next to us. There's a little baby. She can't bowl. She's tiny. But the parents were all bowling, and I'm like, I get it. You got to have fun, too. You're, you're parents. But the kid's just sitting on the chair with her little iPad while the parents are bowling. I mean, I'd probably do the same thing. But, yeah, there's something there's something dark but also fun about bowling. And that's my bowling spiel. So what did I do? I flew back home. Sacramento is so quick and easy. One hour, you're just in the air and then you're back. And then uh, I got some exciting news that I can't share. But I want to share, but I can't. But something exciting, I will be able to share it. It's not even about me, really. It's about someone I know. And I just want to talk about it, but I can't. But I will be able to give it a few. I think, you know, in a few weeks, I'll be able to talk about it. But I'm going to leave you on a cliffhanger. That's what I'm going to do. I'm leaving you on a cliffhanger. That was my week. Nothing too crazy. Um, You know, just the just the usual. Please come to see me if you are in Philadelphia or the surrounding areas. Come out to the Philly Punchline this weekend. March. Are we still in March? Yep. March, uh, March 24th through the 26th. I'll be in Philadelphia. I will also be in, I mean, it's going to pop up on here, you know, the drill, but I'll be in Texas. Oh, I'll be in Brea. I'll be at the Brea Improv April 7th. One night only. Please tell everyone about it. I would love for there to be a big turnout because my mom's coming. She's bringing her friends. I want them to think I'm a boss. I'm a boss bitch. Um, April 21st through the 24th, I'll be at Moon Tower Comedy Festival in Austin, Texas. And then I'll be doing the classic Texas rounds. I'll be back in San Antonio, April 26th. I'll be back in Houston, April 27th. I'll be back in Addison, April 28th. And then I'll be in San Diego, June 23rd and June 24th at Mike Drop Comedy Club. And that's about, that's about it, folks. I'll see you soon. Take care. Kisses, hugs and love. Mm -hmm. Bye.